Today I'm talking with Naz Perez, TV host, podcaster, a former producer of The Bachelor franchise, and founder of Heartbroken Anonymous. Naz shared how a brokenhearted neighbor knocking on her door for support inspired her idea for Heartbroken Anonymous. She also opened up about why she's never had a boyfriend and how working on The Bachelorette made her hopeful for love. You can follow Naz on Instagram at Naz Perez. This episode of On The Mend is sponsored by Unbound. According to research, there are three ways we can release endorphins, exercise, laughter, and sex. In fact, during climax, your body is flooded with both oxytocin and endorphins. These chemical reactions are your body's natural form of pain relief. The result? A relaxed state of euphoria and better sleep. And as much as we don't like to talk about masturbation, everyone is doing it. In fact, a recent study showed 9 out of 10 women make time to masturbate frequently. Reclaiming your sexuality post-breakup is scientifically proven to be one of the best things you can do for yourself. And our friends over at Unbound are here to help. Use the code ONTHEMEND for 20% off any vibrator, lubricant, or accessory at unboundbabes.com. We have a lot to talk about today. Like there are so many different things I want to talk to you about. And um, I think what's so interesting about your experience, and we were kind of talking about it right before we started recording, Mm -hmm. but you have so many different facets of your personality. And I I feel like that is the mark of a modern human. I was about to say modern woman, but modern human. Yes. Yes. And, um, And I think that's a wonderful thing. And I think you have found a way to kind of weave in all of these aspects of your personality, not to say it's like easy all the time. Um, but that is something that I find really interesting and I want to talk about and I want to kind of like go into each area. A little yeah, bit. let's do it. So I want to start like by rewinding a little bit mm-hmm. because I think your history of love and relationships is very interesting. Um, you've, you've told me, and I think this is still true that you haven't been in a relationship. Like you haven't been in love in a relationship. Is that accurate? I've been, I've been in love. Oh, okay. And I've been in types of relationships. I've never had a boyfriend. That's right. Okay. And I know that that's probably a confusing thing to hear because people probably have different definitions for what a boyfriend is. Yeah. So for me personally, the definition of a boyfriend for me, yeah, not for the world, just for me, right, is someone that is exclusive to me. Yeah. So I've dated a that's lot a of common I've definition. dated people in my life, but mainly people that weren't ready to make the commitment. First, I've just had a, I've been dealt like a really bad card, I think. Um, mm. But with people that just like weren't ready to commit, yeah. and so yes, I stayed with them probably longer than I should have. Yeah. Um, and it's weird for me to call them my boyfriend because a lot of people will say to me, well, Naz, he was your boyfriend. You dated him for six right. months. But then in my head, I'm like, but we broke up because he wasn't exclusive to me. So to me, yeah. he was never like my boyfriend. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's completely so, yeah. valid. So I've never had a boyfriend. I've had a lot of relationships, I would say, with different right. people. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm sure you hear the light buzzing on this episode. We do too, but not until after we edited the episode. It's a huge bummer, but we thought this episode with Naz was too relatable not to share with you. Now that we have addressed the elephant in the room, let's get back to the conversation with Naz. So you have this one part of your personality where um, you have dated, but you haven't had what you consider a boyfriend. And then what's interesting is that's juxtaposed with sort of your professional life which is a lot about love and relationships as like a producer on The Bachelor right. and um, the founder of Heartbroken Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about your concept of love and sort of how that's evolved over time. And I'm curious what your first, uh, like your first experience with a relationship was and sort of what you learned from that experience totally yeah um so I think just to go back a little bit I think I'm I'm in that category or group of people or millennials that grew up in the 90s I was born in 1990 and was very much I grew up in a Disney household I'm from South oh. Florida 
So who were your Disney characters? So um, it's funny. We were just talking about this on our podcast called the <laughs> I Don't Get It podcast on how I just feel like Hercules is one of the most underrated animated <laughs> Disney movies. And he's just such a babe to me. Oh, wow. And it, I was literally saying it upsets it. me that they don't like incorporate him in the parades. Like he just doesn't have a presence. And the music is just I mean, it's award winning. But <laughs> I grew up watching Disney movies and I very much fantasize like I remember watching Cinderella and the song so this is love is one of my it's like my all one of my all-time mm. favorite songs and I think I began to build this narrative in my head of like what love is through these movies and logistically mm. speaking I, like I said I grew up in South Florida I went to Disney yeah. all the time oh, it was it's interesting. just a part of like who it really is like a part of who you are when you grow up in Florida because you go to Disney you know probably four times a year so this was like wow. really it's not just like me saying, oh, I was like a Disney kid. I like really believed in these stories. And my mom, English is a second language for her. So she would like learn English. I like watching these movies with me. So that was a big part of me growing up. Having said that, I grew up in South Florida, which I think and I didn't know this until I moved to L.A. is a very it's probably like really advanced when it comes to. I don't know how to say this. Al. It's weird. Like I gave a blowjob one in sixth grade. Okay. And I so didn't. Like I didn't doing know. things earlier than maybe other yeah. kids were doing. And I don't want to say like sexual things. I yeah. just I don't know. It was. It's this type of like mentality. Maybe it's because you you know we grew up close to Miami. Yeah. Maybe a lot of growing people up that fast. Maybe people feel like they grow up fast if they grow up near a really big city. I don't. Yeah. I don't really know how yeah. to like define it, but. I didn't even know until a couple years ago when I met my friend Ashley. And when I told her that, she was like, you were 12. Yeah. And I didn't think that was weird until like a year ago when she told me mm. this. So it was just so like, it was happening around you. It was just so happening was around me. Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know. I thought I was very much like a part of, I was that girl in school that was a tomboy and I really wanted to be cool. Whatever, I'm just sharing that little bit of information with yeah. you guys. So my my experiences with guys were like hooking up with them, not yeah. really like holding their hand and like being with them. Yeah. Um, and then I went to college at UCF, University okay. of Central Florida in Orlando, and I was in a sorority, best four years of my life. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I was going on socials with fraternity guys. But again, like my experience was very much like a lot of hookups and I so badly craved like a relationship, but... I guess maybe the type of guy I had liked was just, you know, the guy, the sensation seeker, like the life of the party, mm -hmm. the guy, you know, in the fry that didn't want to settle down. I didn't mm -hmm. really think it was weird. Didn't really bother me until I moved to Los Angeles in 2012 and became a woman of the real world, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, OK, I'm out here on my own. And then Tinder was a thing. So I started dating and I would go out to, you know, like I did the whole club scene. Oh, wow. And I met this guy and who ended up becoming my big, which we reference a lot on our podcast because I'm obsessed with sex in the city. So if you guys have never seen sex in the city, big is basically the recurring motif in Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Carrie Bradshaw's life. He's just this guy that keeps coming back in her life. Yeah. And so I was just on a plane with him. So no, with Chris. Chris yes. Norton's his name, right? Yeah. I love him. <laughs> um, so anyways, to New York. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was wild. He's, he is the Chrysler <laughs> building, that man. <laughs> So basically, I ended up meeting this guy, and long story short, he ended up being my big for, like, a couple years, like, on and off, but he never mm -hmm. wanted, like, a relationship. Okay. So I was always so bummed because I was like, I can't pick who I like. Like, this is really annoying, and I like this guy, and every, all the other boxes were checked, you know, like, he looked the way I wanted him to, and again, I was, like, younger. This is, like, 22. I'm 28, turning 29 yeah. next month. And I was like, oh, he looks the way I want. I get along with his family and yeah. his friends. And he's like really cool. So that never worked out for me. So then, you know, I'm very much career focused. Yeah. So my whole time in L.A. has really been dedicated to my career with this guy in the background. And then I started working on The Bachelor. And funny enough, The Bachelor totally changed my perspective of how I viewed love and this sounds so weird and so crazy but because of everything I just told you guys so I'm this girl from South Florida right like I've only been with guys that like want to hook up and 
in, on The Bachelor, if you've never seen it. <laughs> I don't they, know who has never exactly. seen The Bachelor. I, I always want to like <laughs> assume, you know, that I don't want to assume everyone like knows you everything. You can assume everyone, bad. especially okay. everyone listening to this podcast. That's probably Most true. Most of them have seen The Bachelor. So yeah. I'm like on my first season of The Bachelor, Caitlin Bristow season. It's 2015. So I'm 25 and I'm in a room. And my first season was The Bachelorette, which means uh. one girl who I didn't spend time with, but 25 guys I did spend a lot of time with interesting so then I started to get to know all these personalities of men from all around the country and they weren't like the sensation sensation seeker party guys and again I don't want to like I love being from Florida let me just say like I'm from Boca Raton I rep 561 like I will die (laughs) there one day in a country club (laughs) I'm just saying the group of friends and people you know it's all about environment the group of friends and people that I was with was very much like the popular people that did drugs at a very young age yeah. and that kind of thing so Fast times. so when I'm in the bachelor mansion and I'm meeting all these guys you know like from Kentucky that like own horses and just want to find love and you know this tech guy from San Francisco and I'm not even fucking kidding you it was Aladdin it was like a whole new world I was like this is this is so great yeah and I was like I deserve this I can totally have this this is attainable like I live in LA now and what was going on with the big situation at that time? So I kind of, the thing with The Bachelor is it's very life consuming. You yeah. shoot all year round and it was an incredible experience. I li- basically lived, my address was the world, you know, like yeah. I was constantly traveling. So I kind of just like. That would make it really hard to yeah, sustain. Yeah, but it was great because yeah. I kind of like forgot about him, like not completely, but I honestly. You were distracted. Yeah. In a healthy way. Right. Well, there were there are pros and cons because also I think doing something so life consuming, you also it was bad because I wasn't able to date for two and a half years. And I fell in love with the experience and I learned so much about love. I mean, for two and a half years, I my job seven days a week, 16 hours a day was to sit and talk to men and women about love and what they like about it and what they hate about it and why they like someone and why they don't like someone. So it was almost like personally a social experiment for me in my head and I was starting to build in my head the the man that I wanted to be with one day so when I left I was very excited to go find said person and so were you clear so it sounds like through the process of producing that show Mm -hmm. you were exposed to all these different types of men Mm -hmm. and you kind of got to figure out what you wanted right um or just like what was important to guys out there yeah yeah that there were there were more options beyond right. big, exactly. which I think is a really important turning point for a lot of people um, because there are, you know, like a lot of people have patterns in who they're attracted to and who they fall in love with early on. And then they tend to kind of repeat that. And yep. then there comes a point when they realize, oh, maybe this isn't good for me or maybe this isn't healthy or maybe right. this isn't actually the person that's going to be compatible with me. But it takes mental work to change that pattern and some people never grow out yeah some people know yeah exactly I feel very lucky that I was able to grow out of it through the bachelor yeah yeah when you're you're interviewing people and you're on this journey with them and they're proposing to someone you're just like I want that and I'm really close to it you know I'm like literally right behind the camera so like why I can have this I was seeing it physically exactly as opposed to I'm sure you've come in contact just like I have with a lot of heartbroken people that are like It'll never happen for me and I'll yeah. never find someone like this ever again. It's so important to have models of the type of relationship that you want. Do you feel like you have that now? Like, do you feel like there are models of relationships out there in your life that you could see for yourself? Yeah, I'm my best friend, Caitlin, um, she lives in Austin and Aww. she is married to John, who is kind of like her high school sweetheart. They dated all. Of, I know both of them very well, and I feel like they are definitely the relationship I aspire to have one day. So I'm very lucky that I have examples yeah. of that in my head. But it's tough. I mean, it's hard in this. It's hard in L.A. It's really hard in L.A. <laughs> so, so I want to talk about to the, keep that mentality is what yeah, I'm trying to say. I guess yeah, I yeah. That like to keep the optimism. Yeah, because I don't know if I have a lot of those models in Los Angeles. Yeah. Does that make sense? But I also moved out here alone, so. Yeah. I, I do think that dating in any big city right now is mm-hmm. challenging. And I think this is something we hear from a lot of people that whether it's LA or New York or San Francisco, like really anywhere where there's just a lot of choice for someone. Right. It's really hard for people. It's like the paradox of choice. It's hard for people to commit to one person. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I do think that that makes dating in LA especially difficult. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the transition from big, the big in your life Mm -hmm. to where you are now. Mm -hmm. So you went through the experience of the bachelor. You saw models of love that you wanted. Mm -hmm. You knew that you could find them. You knew that they were out there. Um, when was that and where are you now in relation to that? So it kind of leads into the story because the guy I meet after I left The Bachelor yeah. kind of leads into the story on why I'm here really yeah. and like heartbroken anonymous. So I left The Bachelor um, because I wanted to pursue a career on camera. I kind of always moved to L.A. wanting to do on camera, but I always had to go the production route because my parents just... Unfortunately, I just don't have rich parents. I wish I did. <laughs> and so I always had to have a you job. You had to have a job. Yeah. You know, one of those things. And there was this, this <laughs> point in time where I was like, I love the show. It's so incredible, yeah. you know, that, that so many people love it. But this yeah. is a dream job, but it's not the dream job for yeah. me. So, And like I was just telling you and everyone listening, I so desperately wanted to go on a date and find someone for myself. That yeah. wasn't the reason why I left, but you know, that's like a part of the big picture when you like yeah. see your life five years down the road. And I just didn't see that. I didn't see dating really being like a viable option for me while I was traveling around the world constantly. So I leave the show and I end up meeting this guy who is just so opposite of my type. Someone I probably would have swiped left on if I met them on an app. Oh, that's met them so interesting. Through why? Instagram. Cause I just don't think I don't, I guess it's, I know it is really interesting and that's why I have a lot of issues with apps. I don't think I was, I would be attracted to him through a photo, Mm, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But we met through Instagram. Like he found my Instagram through someone that was like at a wedding. We ended up meeting at like Comic-Con and the moment I saw him in person, I just like felt something. Wow. An immediate spark. It was like an immediate spark. And so... He had just got out of a relationship and just moved to Los Angeles. So that moved really fast, which in retrospect, I'm sure you've like heard this story a lot. Like when things move fast, maybe it's not the best thing. But for me, this girl like from Florida that never I don't know, could I would even go as far to say would sometimes not even get a text back from someone I was in, quote unquote, a relationship with. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden I meet this guy that's like calling me every day and like wants to sleep over every day and like Mm. has a toothbrush at my house and it was like I would describe the feeling as like nirvana and euphoric it was something so foreign to me it was like what I saw everyone always having and something that I never had and I just think life's really hard like I would never want to go through life alone I actually like being alone now which is funny but in general I don't think life is so much better when you're with someone it's just so fun and so I ended up falling in love with this person and we Mm -hmm. dated for six months and but he was very much like I just moved to LA just got out of a relationship so there were some caveats it was one of those things yeah but I was and I never think it's it's only ever one person's fault when when there's a breakup yeah it's always a two-way right and looking back and going through therapy and working on myself yeah I think my issue was I wanted this label so bad right Mm. like I just wanted a boyfriend so bad that I was very anxious and I had a lot of trepidation around the situation and I was also unemployed right Mm. because I left the bachelor and so I very much like I'm an Aries like I equate my success my happiness with my success and I was this bachelor producer and all of a sudden I was like I don't know who I am like you know what am I like what do I tell people I'm a wannabe host it's like very unfortunate that in this society people are like what do you do instead of like who are you right and so I was like I don't even know what I am I don't I don't want to start waiting tables it was yeah so it's very much waiting at home every day for like a text from this person so that definitely was not good for the situation but yeah that's a lot of added stress to right uh like especially the beginning of a relationship exactly and so there was a lot of that coming from me but there was also a lot of like I think a lot of red flags that I had ignored that I think a lot of people do when they really really like someone like what he had been engaged twice before okay he had just got out of a relationship but then there were a couple of times where a couple of trips to New York he had gone to where I was like almost positive that he had seen his act. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. So I was living. I caught like if I wrote a novel today, it would be called like living in the gray because I think I've mm. always lived in the gray zone. Yeah. And I'm not really comfortable in the gray zone. And unfortunately, it's something everyone has to go through before a relationship. And I think that has to do with me growing up so Catholic, you know, like Catholicism is just like black and white, you yeah. know. 
So I don't do well in the gray. I'm like, That's so, so are you my boyfriend? Right. Are you my boyfriend? Yes like, or no? Like check doing? a box. Right. So I can move yeah. on and like start concentrating and like doing other things. Yeah. So That's such a common thing though. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's really, I think it's nice to talk about it openly because I do think that it is something that a lot of people face. Yeah. I mean, I was, I grew up in spring Texas. Yeah. So for me, my parents weren't like very black and white thinkers but I think a lot of the culture that I was surrounded in was very black, black and, white. and white yeah and so I was that person too in initial relationships it was just like are you my boyfriend or not are we going to get married or not right. <laughs> like you know it's just right. and then you realize as you get older how like complicated things are and how complex right. things are and right. and also like how important it is early on in a relationship to like really get to know someone and yes. like and not worry about labels and just like yeah see if you even like them exactly really, you know like, like evaluate the them versus just like waiting for them to like you or totally. you know and I I think that that's such a common experience especially in your 20s um and it's it's so painful and it's heartbreaking so painful. and you almost you kind of have to go through it to realize that you know that you can survive it it's it's <laughs> literally truer <laughs> words have never been spoken because yeah. I was going through this and then that's when I you know the story but yeah. when my neighbor who I had never really met because yeah. I was like always traveling on the bachelor she knocked on my door and she was like hysterical crying and she had no one to talk to yeah. and the guy that she was with for 12 plus years had just moved out and she was like almost hyperventilating you know when you're like yeah and I just listened to her story and she's like, I feel so much better talking to you. I can't call my sister or my mom. And I was like, why? And she's like, cause they just will tell me like, you're so much better than him or blah, blah, blah. You need to move on. She's like, I physically can't hear that right now. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting because I was somewhat experiencing the same thing because it's really weird to, to complain or vent to your friend about a guy that's like not your boyfriend. But I also... Those yeah. are the people in the world I want to just like hug because I know how you feel if you're listening so badly. Like it's just it's so dumb that people make you feel stupid for really liking someone or loving something yeah. that isn't yours. Yeah. Like unrequited love is like literally that's like number yeah. one on my resume. <laughs> yeah. And also it's like you can you can fall in love and it. it almost has nothing to do with the other person like the other person doesn't have to be in love with you like you can have an idea of what that relationship is going to be like and you can dream about what the future is going to be and Mm -hmm. all of that you can have all of these expectations and it doesn't have to involve the other person and that's why it can be so painful and I do think that that is a really common thing right now these like almost relationships or Mm non-relationship relationships where people feel like almost some sense of shame about yeah, we should being do a podcast sad. on almost relationships. Yeah, I mean really it's so common yeah. now, and and then I think when people are like grieving them or mourning them, they're embarrassed because it's like, well, it wasn't like a quote real relationship, right. but it doesn't matter. Like right. if you had expectations, if you felt something, that's what matters, and that's what people you know? say in our meetings, the meetings yeah. I have all the time, and that's why what you're doing, and I want I want you to talk more about. Mm like the first meeting and yeah, how it all came totally. together. But that's why having a community like that is so important. And I really do think that um, it's hard to fully understand heartbreak unless you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. But like everyone who has been heartbroken before can empathize right. with, you know, where you are. And, and that's why I think it's so powerful to bring a group of people yeah. together who are kind of, in the same space and are walking the same path. Well, thank path. you. And yeah. that's why I admire you and love like what everything that you guys do because essentially you guys are doing the same exact thing, you know, bringing people together that yeah. are going through this terrible thing. Um, So yeah, basically when my neighbor came over, I listened to her story and, you know, through my anxiety, I didn't know like if I was in a relationship with this guy. Yeah. I started to think like as I was like driving just around LA, I started to think about her a lot and yeah. And just how like shitty it feels, like that isolating feeling where you can't go to a friend or family or you feel mm. like people are judging you and yeah. as a producer in my head, like the first thing I thought of, I was like, "Oh my god, it'd be so cool to like start a show called like Heartbreak Hotel and like everyone yeah. that's heartbroken can check in this hotel." 
and there's like a room full of puppies and there's an ice cream room <laughs> and like we'll bring Sign back some up. Nintendo 64 Do I have to be heartbroken Sega? to go to that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And we'll just, yeah. I'll play rom-coms like all Nancy Meyer movies <laughs> all the time. Because in my head I was like, wouldn't it be cool if everyone that's heartbroken could just like meet and hang out? Because it's yeah. such bullshit that if you get sick, I say this all the time, you can get a doctor's note. Yeah. You could stay home. You could tell your boss you're not feeling well. Yeah. If you're going through a divorce or a breakup or you just lost a pet or a job, yeah. you just have to wake up and resume life as is. And I think yeah. that's bullshit. And I was like, these people, we need a place to go. This is crazy. Yeah. Like there needs to be a passages for this. Maybe yeah. we'll start it one day. I'll. No. For, I mean, when I marry we, a millionaire, yeah. it? no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we No, when you are a millionaire, <laughs> we think about this a lot, like, really and when you look at the research it's all backed up by science but like Mm -hmm. when you go through a breakup you are going through withdrawal and it is like you're sick and so many people discount a breakup or a Mm -hmm. divorce is just like something emotional that you're going through and it's like well it's not as bad as if someone died you know like get over it um but it's so dismissive of what's going on physiologically it is so dismissive yeah and that's why i mean people are so outspoken about mental illness now yeah you would think that the world and i think the world is starting to pay attention a little bit yeah but we got to fix the inside before the outside and i truly believe that physical pain is not as worse as emotional pain yeah i don't know i just don't think so yeah and so basically when i was thinking about her i started thinking about like heartbroken anonymous i was like what's Mm -hmm. the what's the realistic version of heartbreak hotel and then it's funny how the universe works because then the guy ended up I, I I basically I had met his parents it had been six months and I was like I need to know what we are and I was working on Ben and Lauren's freeform show I, like so the bachelor put me on a spinoff show right before I had left okay so I like went back to work for like a couple weeks even though I didn't I was like no I want to host but I needed the money yeah and so he was like okay let's do this like like I was like oh my god like I have a boyfriend and so I had to go shoot in Vegas like two more weeks of this show actually it was the twins happily ever after I said Ben and Lauren but um and then I came back and we hung out and we like went to a park and then we made out and then he was just like I can't do this and it was (gasps) the ultimate blind side because I had been living for two weeks thinking I had this a boyfriend this thing I always wanted and hadn't experienced it and then I just felt like what and I was just shaking and I'm sure everyone here knows what it's like you literally feel your heart tearing in half and so painful I was just like why and I just wanted to wail and I looked at him and I was like well I think I love you and I left his car and he like walked out and he was like naz naz and I didn't turn around and it was two days before valentine's day And to this day, we have not had a conversation. Oh, my god! And so I'm also that person that's like, it's been really hard for me to accept the non-closure closure thing. Like, Mm. because I I don't know. I'm a human. Like, I want to know how people feel. I want to have a conversation. And every day I thought he was going to call. So this heartbreak, I don't want to, like, go off on a tangent here because I'm sure we have, like, so much more to talk about. But basically, the heartbreak that I experienced was very... um, it was awe-inspiring, but yeah. in a bad way. It w- I was having nightmares. I developed um, pityriasis rosacea, which basically was like a rash all over my body. And I went to a dermatologist. I've never been to a dermatologist in my life. Wow. And I was like, what's the cause of this? And she's like, have you been really stressed lately? That's literally the one cause. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, I physically got sick yeah. because of this breakup. Yeah. Like, I have chicken and pox because a of lot it. Of, I mean, a lot of breakups cause things like this that. This was yeah. so crazy to me. Like, I was so like, intense. I am this grounded. I look at myself as this badass, grounded human that's just very curious. And I just love all people. And I would call my dad. And I'm like, Dad, I don't get it. Like, I'm not an idiot. Like, why? And he's like, he literally told me, Naz reason has nothing to do with matters of the heart and then yeah. as soon as i accepted that and understood that and stopped thinking that i was stupid for feeling the way i did over someone that technically wasn't my boyfriend i started heartbroken anonymous okay <laughs> and that's basically how it came to be and tell me about the first meeting like what was it like so the first so basically heartbroken anonymous is a support group for people that are heartbroken um but it's not just like a breakup or a divorce it's any type of heartbreak so okay. you know if you lose like a job or anything and so I rented out this space on Fairfax and Melrose which is now closed I'm so sad um yeah it shut down so I had to find a new space last month but um so basically it was like a theater behind a coffee shop and 
I was very nervous because Cosmo had like written this first article about the meeting and I haven't even had my first meeting. And the only form of advertising I did was I asked everyone that was on The Bachelor that I produced or was friends with to post it on their Instagram. Yeah. Excuse me. And so I remember going to the venue the day before the meeting started just to like I had like bought rugs and pillows and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing like this is so terrifying and I woke up and I was like why did I do this like this isn't you know I was like I didn't have to do this like why did I do this what if a lot it of fails people, like what if I'm yeah. a laughing stock like there's an article about it everyone I know is gonna say how did it go and if one person shows up like I'll die I don't know I was very insecure that yeah. day and there was a lot of like unknown yeah so I walked in earlier that day and funny enough there was an AA meeting going on mm. and I was like oh this is great like I'll go in and I'll ask like one of the sponsors like for advice and I'll never forget this man his name was Peter and I walked in and I was like hey I'm doing this thing and I it's never been done before I'm really which is really weird I had like looked online to see if there was anything like it and I was like do you have any advice for me and like the first thing he said to me was do you have tissues and I was like no <laughs> So was you like, ran out to get tissues. It's the funniest thing ever. Like, I didn't even think to, like, buy tissues that, like, people would be crying, you know? <laughs> but the other great piece of advice he gave me was I had to have, like, a purpose, just like AA does. And my purpose is to have hope. And I was like, yeah, I can't just have people, like, in a circle just saying, like, men suck or, like, you know, feeling bad for themselves without, like, some type of right. happy ending, right? So the first meeting was incredible. I opened the doors, and I think 12 or 13 people came. Mm-hmm. And... It was, there were black people, white people, Spanish people, people who had never been in love before and just wanted to come and listen and connect. Someone that broke up with someone else. So we got like the other side of the perspective. Um, A transgender, two alcoholics came and came up to me after the meeting and they were like, it's so crazy. Like I go to AA meetings and I feel like AA, not to knock AA, I'm sure AA is perfect and uh, incredible. Um, But they said that it, really helps them not drink but it's not it wasn't necessarily healing the reason why they were drinking Mm. and I was like whoa this like light bulb went went off in my head and and it was just it was the most insane experience I'll never forget that first meeting in my entire life like some woman read a poem that she had written it was just this crazy spiritual like all walks of life experience like the one this one woman went and she was talking about how heartbroken she was over the person that broke her heart and you know how this feeling is very familiar where you feel like the person that dumped you is like so happy right and you're just like why am I in jail if they're the person that committed the crime is kind of what the feeling is like and it's I mean it's made extra like painful because of Instagram because you see everything yeah Instagram's not real yeah and so I have to talk to you about Instagram too because I know you're on this binge which is so fascinating (laughs) to me but um side note but um (laughs) so then she's she's like wailing this woman about like how how is this person so happy and how does he lack so much empathy and like did I mean anything and all those questions you ask yourself yeah you're like what did I do anything wrong what could I have done differently was it because of this and then the person that went right after her had broke someone's heart and literally like it was like it was like God or the universe or whatever the fuck you believe in the spaghetti monster like just like went through this woman that came right after her and told this other woman what she needed to hear and that was basically that she was in a lot of pain too and the people on the other side are in a lot of pain and it was just it was unreal basically and I had this overwhelming sense of feeling when the meeting was over because I was like oh there's a part of me that wanted it to just like not work like okay well I tried like I'm a good person I put you know I raised my (laughs) hand I tried to help the world God like you know maybe I'll still make it to heaven I don't know like (laughs) I fucking tried. But so it what's was, the future for it? It was so good that I was like, I have to do this forever. Yeah. So And you have been. Yeah. So, so you ever just did since one then, last month. Yeah, I do it the second Thursday of every yeah. month in LA. And I'm very excited to announce that this month uh, the LA meeting will be on Valentine's Day at Hyperslow. Um which at, I love that location. Yeah, it's great. At eight thirty. And all the meetings are free. I pay for everything. And then I'm also doing a meeting in Chicago on Tuesday. Tuesday, February 28th at La Meridian Hotel in Oak Brook. And then on Thursday, February 28th, I'm doing a meeting in New York on the Lower East Side at this um, Latin American Cultural Center called the Clemente. All the meetings are at 830. All of them are free. You guys can go to heartbrokenanonymous.com to sign up. But it's been so cool because I've gotten so many DMs from people that want me to bring this to other cities. So I started a GoFundMe and 
I'm really excited to like finally use the GoFundMe funds to like bring yes. this to other people. Yeah, so to, yeah, to go yeah. to more cities. So and that's the future really is like, I want to, you know, I want to put a book together. I was yeah. very much like a chicken soup for the soul girl, like reading other people's stories, like chicken yeah. soup for the teenage soul was so therapeutic yeah. for me that I want to, you know, TBD on like a heartbroken anonymous book where you can read other people's stories and just know you're not alone. Cause that's the whole point. Yeah. And, and that's like, I mean, that's such a big mission for us too, is just making sure that no one ever has to go through right. a breakup alone, yeah. which is why I love what you're doing. And we'll definitely send out, um, we'll make sure that we tell all the menders about all Thank the events in February and all the future events too. Cause yeah. I do think it is such a, it's such a great thing to have a community in real life too. And you know, we're a, we're a technology company, like we're an app, but the really beautiful thing that we love to see is when these relationships right. translate into the offline world. It is the coolest um, thing. Like people walk amazing. in as strangers yeah. and then there's no crosstalk. So you can yeah. share, you can choose not to share. You can just listen. But at the end of the meeting, I remember getting up thinking like, Oh, I got to clean up. Like I only booked this space and everyone stayed and like exchanged yeah. numbers and became friends. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. There's such an intensity, I think, to moments of heartbreak in your life and it can really bond you to the people that you're around at that time like I can think back to every breakup I've ever had and I can like pinpoint the specific people who I like seriously bonded with and some of them were people that I didn't really know some of them were some friends that I like reconnected with um, but it's amazing how it can like bring people together in a really special way. And I feel like that's like a lifelong bond, yeah. <laughs> especially it for really the big is. breakups. It is. It's just like, you're it's so a life moment. Yeah. It's such a big moment for so many people. Like when they look back on their lives, mm. breakups and divorces are some of the most significant life changes that they go through until they lose someone that they love. Right. Um, and I think that's why, that's why I like, I really want to break down the stigma around, um, heartbreak that it's not something you should be really sad about or it's something you should just get over or move on because right. it's it's not and I think if you really if you're proactive about it and if you harness you know um, like all of the positive energy that you can yes. around breakups you can actually turn it into something really beautiful which is what you've done right like self-growth is literally the byproduct of heartbreak like yeah. I I learned so much about myself in that heartbreak. Like I, I grew so much and I learned that I needed to like love being alone. Yeah. And I can't say confidently it wasn't until the last six months that I think I really enjoy being alone. And I yeah. never used to feel that way because I went from my house to a sorority to like yeah. crazy LA people. party scene. Yeah. And, and then I feel like The Bachelor right. would probably be like its own family it unit. Was. And Bryce were yeah. probably really, really close. Yeah, so I didn't, I hated being alone. And yeah. now I love it. And I'm I'm that much more ready for like my person, you know. So I want to talk about the self-growth aspect. Because I do feel like, um, I mean, that is, that's one of the beautiful things about breakups and heartbreak and divorce. And, you know, any anytime you're struggling it's really a chance for you to develop the relationship that you have with yourself, right. which it sounds like that was something that you, you did, like you got out of that. And one byproduct is that you feel more comfortable spending time alone. What other things, like what is one thing that you used to not love about yourself maybe that now you appreciate or you love? Um, is there something that you've sort of like grown into like like a hobby or like something Just some aspect of your personality that's funny you know what when i was dating back in my florida days i remember a guy told me you know how like words can just like sting yeah of especially course. like from someone you like right yeah like that's it's like you kind of take so it painful. as like the bible and like fact you're like okay i'm writing this in stone this is what you think about me therefore it's true which is yeah. such bs but this one guy told me he's like you're so loud and I was so annoyed because I get really loud when I'm excited about things. And I think yeah. I don't have a specific answer for you all, but I think I took all those little things that people would say to me. And I think I would try and like change myself for guys. Right. Because I was yeah. like, why does everyone have a boyfriend but me? And I was like, maybe I need to be more like the girl next door, like tone myself down or yeah. not talk about my career. And now I'm just like, fuck that. Yeah. Like, I'm just whatever. Yeah. You know, you have to be yourself. I have to be myself or like the person 
I end up with isn't going to be the person for me right. if I'm not being myself. Right. And, and that is like oddly a hard thing to do yeah. when you want love so bad, like someone like me. Right. Because I'm like, oh, well, you want to make it work. Yeah. And I just. But the trap there, and I think so many people fall into that trap, yeah. is that they will mold themselves into the person that they think the other person wants them to be. Then they get that person. But then eventually there will be some sort of breakdown where you either they realize that, you know, you're not that person. But I think the scarier part and the worst part of that is like when you realize you can no longer be that person, you know, like you can't sustain that for a long period of time because everyone does really just need to be who they are, you know, if they're really going to be happy and if they're really going to feel like joyful in life. Yeah. And if you Um, feel like you're not being your complete self, like be yourself, like you're so cool, you know, like there's so much, everyone's like trying to be one person and it makes me sad and it kind of leans into what you and I were talking about before we stopped recording. I just feel like, I don't know if it's just me, but like a lot of the guys I meet in LA, like they're very, a lot of people I meet are very one dimensional. Yeah. And it bums me out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's like the guy that, like, works out and eats salads every day. And I'm like, <laughs> come on. Like, there's got to be, like, there's got to be something more. else in there, right? <laughs> like, like this isn't your personality. Like, a gym is not a personality. <laughs> like, that is a campaign I will start. Oh, my gosh. That's Do you know what I'm LA saying? Thing. Like, yeah. it's just like, what? Like, this yeah. is who you are? That's it? Yeah. And I'm not saying just men. I, I don't like people... I don't like women that bash men. I really don't. And I don't like people that think. And that's also a really cool thing about Heartbroken Anonymous is because women will come in and they'll say, all guys suck and all this. And ironically, a lot of straight men come to the meetings mm. because they don't feel like they can talk to their friends about yeah. heartbreak or grief properly because their friends will tell them, oh, you're going to save so much money now, bro. Like she was crazy. But it's like, yo, this guy is hurting and no one's listening to him. Yeah. And so that those moments are really cool for me because obviously I don't offer advice at these meetings. I really just like offering a safe space. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I just want people to like not feel alone. You're bringing people together. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want people to have hope. I, you know, but I, I will never tell someone what I think they should do. Yeah. But they learn from other people in the meetings because then yeah, they're like, oh, well, this guy's great and this guy's hurting and he's not a terrible person. Yeah. Sorry, I had to go off on that little tangent No, I, w- I feel very strongly about that. I Yeah, I love that. Um, and I want to talk about the idea of hope. And so you mentioned, like, it's really important to you that people feel a sense of hope walking away from these meetings. Yeah. But when it comes to you personally, like what are you most hopeful for right now and what do you feel like where are you right now in your journey of finding uh, love yeah or just <laughs> I feel like I'm talking like, to Chris I know <laughs> I know but oh, Chris, I mean I, ha- I, I have to ask yeah, you yeah no, like, no no it's so funny and I use the word journey all the time yeah. by the way and people are like oh my god like you gotta give it up like we it's use a the show. word journey all the time too I'm meant. like I'm so sorry like my journey to find love and one thing <laughs> you know one thing I say that I hate that I say like, you, do you guys, some, do you sometimes say things and you're like, why did I say that? Yeah, of I'll, course. I'll like sometimes say out loud, like, you deserve love. And I'm like, duh, everyone deserves love. <laughs> like, what a dumb line. No, like, but I you don't do, know why. You have to remind yourself that. I know, but it's like, it's kind of a silly thing to say because it's very obvious. Yeah, but I feel like there are so many outside influences that try to convince you otherwise. And I do think that when you're rejected by someone, it almost doesn't matter like how confident you are. There's something about being rejected by another human being that makes you doubt like what you are, like what your value is. You are 100% correct. And I just changed my tune right now in this recording. (laughs) I think it's just, it's the word. It like makes me sound like I'm bachelor producery. But to go back to what you were asking me, how I find hope is really like the group makes me believe in humanity. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I get lost in life and I can, you know, very often we compare ourselves to other people around us. And mm. one of my best friends just got is back with her ex. So out of 20 of my closest friends, because I'm one of those people that has a lot <laughs> <laughs> out of 20 of my closest friends, two of them are single. Oh, wow. So okay. so you're in the minority. So the, now. so the 10 people closest to me all have someone. Yeah. So that's been very it's been very interesting for me to navigate because like obviously these people want to spend time with those people and just logically I'm spending less time with them. So I feel like you have to have hope like and the way the 
group gives me hope is I feel like there's more hope in togetherness than being alone. Mm-hmm. And because I do the group the second Thursday of every month in LA, I feel like sometimes I forget that I like have this group and I like go out in yeah. life and I get stressed and I compare myself. And then the second Thursday um, of the month in LA every month I sit down and I'm like, Oh yeah, like this makes me believe in humanity. Like all these people have hope and I just think it's way better to have a positive outlook on life. It's way easier said than done for me, but I rather believe that like I will find my person and it will happen for me than be like, you know, think otherwise or be yeah. like a realist and be like, well, you might not, you know, Yeah. I just think it will. And I think by saying it and believing it, you'll manifest it. Yeah, I want to talk about manifestation, but okay. before we get there, <laughs> sorry. Um, Do you hate talking to me? I go on forever. No, I would no, hate no. me as a guest. No, I'd be like, all I right, I gotta it. ask you something. I mean, like, shut up. I'm the founder of Mend, so I could talk <laughs> about this stuff like I until know. I'm blue in the me face. Me too. That's why just um. stop me if you just be like, okay, now as we get it. No, I just apologize. But um, but what was I gonna say? You what wanted to talk about. about um, oh, I think one what's really interesting. And I can say this is true of myself too, but like so often you create what you need the most and it's mm-hmm. like it happens sort of by mistake. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I went through a breakup that inspired men and it's, you know, I created what I wanted that didn't exist and mm-hmm. I've needed men since the day that I created it. I mean, I've gone through so many breakups since I founded men and um, it's been such an important part of my life and my journey yeah (laughs) but isn't that so inspiring but it's the same with you because if i had never gone through that heartbreak i heartbroken anonymous would not have existed yeah and i'm fine now i'm like over it yeah and i i really just love helping other people yeah you know and you feel the same yeah and i think that everyone sort of has the ability to do that to like turn their heartbreak into something and like it's not always going to be you know, like a support group or an app, mm. like like in our cases. But I do think that yeah, it could be a new haircut. Everyone, it could be yeah, anything. like going on a trip, like going back to school. Like there's mm. so many ways that it can. There's like an alchemy to heartbreak, and it can turn right. into something new and different, which is exciting. That's yeah. the exciting part. Yeah, it is um, exciting. You got to turn the page and see yeah, what's there. Exactly. Um, and speaking of turning the page, I. I'm curious what you're most excited about right now. It doesn't have to be love related, but just like what is most exciting to you like on the horizon right now in your life? And what are you looking forward to the most this year? It's funny because this is such a basic answer, but it's what basically what I just shared. And the fact that I started to go fund me for heartbroken in October. And then is it still going on? So it, it is still, still going contribute. on. Yeah, thanks okay. for reminding me. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like everyone donates so we'll in the first the week. Link. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's still going on. I'd love your guys' help because then that way I can like buy plane tickets and like yeah. um, rent out other spaces. But um, it's the one thing keeping me going right now because I finally got to fulfill my dream and I became an on-camera host and I host for the Dodgers and Fandango and I was hosting for this, you know, the podcast. I don't get a yeah. podcast on iTunes with Ashley and then. Um, I was hosting for this YouTube channel called Clever, which went under. So then I had to take a producing job. And I feel like I should be looking at that as like a blessing that I had a job and I can pay for my bills. Um, It was only a three month job, so it's almost done. But internally, I felt like I took a step back and I was bummed because I was like, I asked all these people for this money and I can't. So the one thing I'm so excited for on the horizon is March because I feel like I'm finally able to put a lot of more time back into Heartbroken. I'm able to go to new cities and meet new people. And, like, that's really what's bringing me the most fulfillment. Yeah. And it's funny how that works because, like, I don't know. I never thought my shitty love life would end up being a part of my brand. Like, I just never thought it'd be, like, a part of me. And it's, like, the one thing that I don't make money on is, like, the most fun thing to do. Yeah. Well, and it's just so authentic to you, I feel like, that it probably you know is very fulfilling in a lot of ways and because it is so authentic to your experience and to you it can touch so many people Mm -hmm. you know they can sense that authenticity do you feel that way with men what are you really excited for on the horizon so many things i mean right now we're really excited for valentine's day yes and you guys have events coming up in la and in new york yeah we have a bunch of stuff on the horizon we're doing an event with milk bar we're doing an event with mod in new york um but i'm curious so your event will be on Valentine's Day. In L.A., yes. In L.A., mm-hmm. yeah, um, which is in, like, a couple of weeks. Yes. And um, 
how is this Valentine's Day going to be different from Valentine's Day in 2018? Can or you think the back? Two years, the one from 2017, the yeah. breakup one. Yeah. Or, I mean, even last year. Yeah. Like, it's going to be... Is Valentine's Day a really charged day for you it usually? Is. It's okay. always been terrible for me. Okay. And it's really interesting that the second Thursday of February is Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, how perfect. Because I didn't even mean for it to be. I just right. looked at it and I was like, wow. And even if it wasn't, I should have made it on Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day can be a very isolating day for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, people, if you work in an office, are getting like balloons and flowers. Yeah. And like, of course you're happy for them. They're your friends. Or, you know, everyone's posting on Instagram what they're doing. And it's yeah. just like. Couples pictures. And from someone who went through a heartbreak two days before Valentine's Day yeah. in like 2017, I know yeah. that that day can just be like, I just wanted to sleep through it. Yeah. So this Valentine's Day is going to be great because yeah. I feel like a lot of people that are sad are going to feel better because they'll meet yeah. other people that feel the same way. And what is your advice for people, like people who maybe can't go to the event, but what is your advice for them on Valentine's Day this year if they are struggling? I think turn your heartbreak into into something that'll service you. Mm. So whether it's something as small as taking a walk like everything in life should be done in baby steps, right? And mm -hmm. like, if you can't get out of bed because you're going through a heartbreak, maybe go for a walk or go go explore somewhere in the city that you live in that you haven't been to yet, yeah. or help someone else. Yeah. Like volunteer at a homeless shelter. Yeah. And just remember that there's always someone out there that has it worse. Yeah. Or if you're really creative or you're gonna be on an airplane all day, like write a poem or like yeah. a story or journal like take that really shitty feeling or a song or whatever yeah and just turn it into something somewhat tangible yeah and that and I don't know I just always felt better like doing that yeah I do think that um like we talk a lot about creating a mend monument mm -hmm. like putting your time and energy into something that's sort of like a healthy distraction that for you. That is genius. Yeah. But I also feel like people are most creative when they're heartbroken. Yeah. I like mean, we wouldn't have Taylor Swift songs if I it mean, wasn't for heartbreak. I mean, we wouldn't have like half you know? of the music we have or exactly. like a lot of the art or like a lot of the movies and right. books. I mean, there's so many beautiful things that have come out of heartbreak. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a, you could even write a letter to like your ex yeah. or whatever it is that's hurting you. I always say like the key for Valentine's day is, you have to plan ahead. Like if you know that it's going to be a difficult day, like you have to plan ahead and it's you have very to good kind advice, of though. distract yourself in a way, or just like make a plan for how you're going to spend the day so that you're not just floating around that day. Um, but then I think the other thing, which is what I think your group reminds people of, there are so many other types of love besides just the love between like, you know, two people who are in a romantic relationship. Yeah. You know, there's a love between strangers. Yeah. There's a love between like family members and friends and a like lot of people you work with. And so I do think it is useful on Valentine's right. Day to remind yourself of that. Yeah. It's crazy. That's what I'll that be like, doing on Valentine's Day. Right. <laughs> I love it. The one thing I did want to share yeah. just because you mentioned there's other kinds of love. So yeah. just I just want to paint a picture if anyone's interested in ever coming to a meeting yeah. or, you're, or you want to know more about it. I think I told you this story and it always resonated with me. There was a homeless guy that came one day and he shared his story and he told the group that he looks through the trash bin for a Starbucks cup and he says that his heartbreak is that he feels more respected when he has something in his hand mm, yeah. and he's like I feel like I have to have a material item in my hand when I'm walking down the street for people to respect me because then they think I could like afford it and more people are like more willing to talk to me mm. and I thought that was like that's really hard that was the most insane thing I've like ever heard in my life and like that was his heartbreak he's like no one respects me unless I have like a so I just wanted to lend that thought yeah. to what you were saying is that anything can cause heartbreak really yeah yeah it doesn't you have know? to be romantic yeah yeah um so I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions we have yeah. two rapid fire questions okay cool um I've never done these before. Actually, we're going to do three rapid-fire questions. All right. The first one is, what advice would you give your heartbroken self, like the very first time you were heartbroken, knowing what you know now? It's going to be okay. And this feeling will end. I feel like every day I ask myself, 
when is this feeling gonna end? Like yeah. I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking about the guy. I was just mad that I had to sit in this dark cloud. Yeah. I was like, I'm fucking over it. Yeah. I don't want to feel this way anymore. Yeah. And it is such a stuck feeling. It's like being hot. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be hostage, but I can imagine that's what it's like because yeah. you can't get rid of it. But if you feel that way right now, you will come out of it. One day you'll wake up and it'll just be a little bit better. And yeah. no one can make that feeling go away. Yeah. And so accept that no one can make it go away, but you can do little things to slowly chip at it. Yeah. And if you come to a heartbroken anonymous meeting, you'll feel better for one hour of your life, maybe, you yeah. know? Yeah. So that's what I would tell myself. Cause I felt stuck and I very much get in this thought process of my therapist calls it permanence. I think everything's mm. like permanent. Yeah. You know, like I'll never find someone yeah. like this. Again. Well, that's what it feels like in the moment. Yeah. So I think that's such a good reminder. Yeah. What about nothing is permanent. Yeah. Nothing is permanent and it does get better. Mm -hmm. Um, what about, breakup vices what is your breakup vice when you're going through a heartbreak or a breakup like do you like eat a lot of ice cream or you like yeah. go out a lot like what's your thing that you yeah. do that's like a bad habit um john and vinny's <laughs> it's like my favorite uh, restaurant in la such a delicious I italian restaurant spicy facili and their shells with cheese which i think may be a secret menu item maybe <gasps> it's not i think Ooh. it may be a kid's menu item i don't know order the uh. shells with cheese and I am a sucker for rom-coms. I love every Nancy Meyer movie. Mm. Um, Netflix has this great series. Because watching TV, you know, I'm very much a producer still. And yeah. I just love the art of film and cinema. I've yeah. like always been like a nerd like that. And I love watching love through movies. And yeah. I just watched The Kaminsky Method on Netflix, which is about two elderly men played by Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas. Like finding their way through LA you have to watch it I'll promise you I this is a one show you them. watch the yeah, there's definitely. only eight episodes or 30 minutes each it's the easiest watch okay and I love Alan Arkin he is unreal yeah. in, this, in this series like He's unreal fantastic. um and it watching shows about old people this is the funniest thing I'll ever say because I also watch Grace and Frankie is such a humble reminder that like we're all gonna be old one day yeah and I feel like we I like can't wait I that's funny you say that. <laughs> I feel like we forget about it. Kat just looked know, at me Kat's like I'm like, crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to be old. Yeah. So there's like so much wisdom and you just have like so much comfort in who you are as a person. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that I've always it. wanted to be old. I don't old. know how I feel on it. I've, I'm a little scared of it, but. I'm scared of the physical part. Like I don't want to lose my like faculty. Yeah. But, um, but I love the idea of. Yeah, just yeah. like knowing what's up, like yeah. been there, done that. Yeah, like like it's not that big of a deal, kind yeah. of like vibe. Yeah. So yeah, watching. You know it's important. Yeah. You know who you are. That's yeah. my advice. John and Vinny's and like a good TV show or a good movie, and I recommend pasta and cheese. Method. Yeah, okay. cheesy pasta. That's a good pizza. Reci pizza that's a good like recipe. Yeah. Um, and then what about your favorite self care ritual? I love this. Um. I recently started going to this meditation studio called Unplug. Um, and if you live in a state that doesn't have Unplug, it doesn't matter. I feel like just try any type of meditation, whether it's yeah. yoga or sitting at a park by yourself. Yeah. But um, I love trying to be still and not think of anything. Mm -hmm. And that's such a hard thing to achieve. But the sound healing has really helped me at Unplug because instead or breath work because you're concentrating on your mm. breath but sound healing for me is really easy because all I have to do is concentrate on the sound I'm listening to mm. and that makes me feel so at peace and like yeah. whatever's happening in the world like you just put your phone away and for an hour I'm just listening to this one sound and I feel like I'm like actually hearing my inner naz you know I'm like oh this is who I am and this is what I feel in between the like running to coffee and like going to Pilates and going to work and talking yeah. to people that maybe aren't that nice and just the whole thing yeah just being with myself so i will tell you that not being on instagram for a month gives you kind of like a low level of that feeling Dude, of I like internet like all the time oh my god i need to gotta do try it. it and then let me know i need to try it then <laughs> it's true yeah, it's like no <laughs> i'm so scared with work but you're right like i need to yeah but that's like, why i'm saying maybe an hour a day is good for maybe 30 minutes in yeah. the morning 30 at night because yeah, i'm yeah, one yeah. of those i frequently check it i'm not on it all the time but like right. you know in between a meeting i'll like go right. on it yeah yeah well, i mean everyone is like that um 
And what about like if you think about your inner NAS? Yeah. I like I like thinking about inner. Yeah, because you know what, um, you have a voice in yeah, there, and sometimes you don't really listen to it. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times, and it takes a lot to like really sit down and listen to what it's saying and cut out all of the other noise. But what is the intention of inner NAS this year? Oh, that's a good one. Whether it's like a word or a phrase, like what are you? Remember, we did the intention thing. Yeah. Remember. Um, I think I really need to stop being hard on myself. Mm. I think sometimes we're our own worst critic. And then sometimes I'm just like, life is so hard. Why am I being like my worst punching? Like, it's like I'm a living punching bag and I'm punching myself the most along with like life. Yeah. And I don't get why I'm so hard on myself. And sometimes I don't want to lose that, oddly enough, because... Sometimes I feel like it's what keeps me motivated and what keeps me from being mediocre. Yeah. But it's just too much sometimes. Like, it, But it's it's like, oh, I need to be skinnier and I need to lose weight and I need to be at this weight, you know, by the time I'm turned 29 next month. And then I need yeah. to go on a date because, like, I need to be doing things for my love life. And then I need to have this meeting. And it's like, it's just too much sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's hard for me to do nothing. Yeah. Is that weird? Is that a weird feeling? No, I think a lot of people are like that. And I do think it is really common for people who are really ambitious and career driven and people who are perfectionists Mm -hmm. um, to let go of that criticism because they do feel like it is what gives them the edge. And I think like a really interesting experiment. And this is a habit that I've I like I'm always trying yeah, to break, Elle, what do you what advice do you have for me as far as that goes like not being hard on yourself and yeah. just being okay with where I'm at maybe yeah and I think it's also like figuring out another way to motivate yourself um, for me it was I had to experiment with different ways to motivate myself because I was so critical and was just like so hard on myself about mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. and so I tried just being nice to myself like actually motivating myself the way I would motivate like my best friend like I would never tell my best friend like you know some of the things that I say to myself and I think a lot of us are like that um that's interesting so you would say would you write it down or would you just say it? just like talking in my head yeah and I would talk to myself the way that I would talk to a best friend and what's an example like I mean it's small things like I feel like um when it comes to work like I, I used to be a lot more critical of myself like you know you need to be faster and be better and work more and um was never like complimentary about what I was doing and what I was getting done and how productive I was being and it was because I thought that I was motivating myself like oh I I felt like I had to be critical to motivate myself to continue doing more. That's how I feel. Yeah. And what I learned is like, I would never say that to a friend to motivate them. Like I would never be like, you're just not good enough. And like, you need to work harder. And, um, and so I, that's such good advice. Yeah. So I learned that you have to be more gentle with yourself. You have to be more compassionate with yourself and like, you're doing a great job. You're doing the best job you can do right now. And you know, you're, you're working really hard and, and it wasn't until I saw results from that that I actually knew, like, okay, this is something that I can, I can break that habit and I can try, so like, a new behavior. Just yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. But I'm it's not, I mean, it's, like, a lifelong thing because I still yeah. have to, like, right. remind myself all the time. Yeah. But I do think that is a, that's a helpful yeah. thing to remind yourself of. I love that. Yeah. I watched, um, <laughs> I always relate it back to a movie, but the movie Christopher Robin Disney released oh, last year. Yeah. And it's funny because it's from the old Winnie the Pooh books and I love Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. But he says doing nothing always leads to the very best something. Mm. So I feel like that's very much a part of my intention too, that like it's okay to do nothing. And yeah. like you said, in that nothing, tell yourself you're doing fine. Yeah. And you're doing great. and You're doing all you can and it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I do think that there are periods of your life and phases of your life where that is really important. And that's like something is something is growing and brewing and and about to happen and you don't know what it is yet Mm -hmm. um and maybe you're on the verge of it but a lot of times those phases are really painful because you're just like but what's next and like what's happening and um but you don't know what's in store 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for you this year. Oh, thanks. I'm excited for you. And you've helped me so much. I feel like that was like such a thing I needed to hear. You know, it's funny like how I think I need to like that was you put it in such an easy way where I was like, I can do that. I can talk to myself the way I talk to my friends. Yeah. Because I pump my friends up all the time. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you that can just do really that for resonated. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's like talking to yourself or writing it down. Right. Um, or if you need a reminder, you can call me and I can remind you. Yes, I will. <laughs> I'll just record some or special like, voice notes for you. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Um, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my God. This was wonderful. I cannot thank you guys yeah. enough for even having me. Like, the both of you are just incredible. Everything you're doing means so much to me. It's mm. so in line, like, with obviously with everything yeah. I believe and, like, just feel like you're doing the Lord's work, you know? Oh. And I love you guys. Well, thanks for being yeah. here. And I'm excited for Valentine's Day and what yes. it holds. And we'll definitely make sure that everyone knows about where to go for yeah. Heartbroken Anonymous you meetings. You guys can and go to heartbrokenanonymous.com. Yeah. Again, I'm going to L.A., Chicago, and New York this month. So yeah. look for the dates on the website and you can RSVP there. Or you can de- um, DM me on Instagram at Naz Perez and I can answer any questions you have. Perfect. When she's not detoxing from Instagram. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> May answer like on a Wednesday instead of like a second later. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Naz, for stopping by Mend HQ. We can't wait to hear how the Heartbroken Anonymous meetings go in the new cities. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at Naz Perez. We've got more great episodes of On the Mend coming to you soon, so be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes and tell your friends. You can follow Mend at Let's Mend on Instagram, and you can follow me for more behind-the-scenes Mend updates at Ellen Huerta.